name's James, I lead the team here, and you are so welcome as we are this week in part three of our series, mini-series, The Happy Life. We're basically taking four weeks uh, at the beginning of January to look at how to be happy, and we're kind of trying to be as practical as we can be, at the same time being as grounded, uh, making sure we're grounded in the Word of God. And two weeks ago, as we kicked off this series, we kind of looked at it and said, underpinning this whole desire that we all have to be happy, the, the reality is, is that the only way we're actually going to know happiness, true happiness, the only way you're actually going to know that is if you put your trust not in things that are temporary that fade away and change, but in something or someone who is eternal, who does not change, who's the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And we looked a couple of weeks ago that a key, a significant key to happiness is don't follow your heart. That's what the world says. Follow your heart. Do whatever makes you happy. No, 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 no. That's terrible advice. Don't follow your heart. Follow God's heart. And uh, the only way we look from Psalm 1, the only way that you can be truly happy is when you learn to and when you begin to, like genuinely, not just like, I say it, I do, actually delight in God and his word. And that's kind of like the underlying theme of these four weeks. And we're going to be in Philippians chapter 4 in just a moment. But as you're finding that, I just want you to think back, if you can, to 2004. Some of you would uh, have seen this film. There was a guy called Morgan Morgan Spurlock who decided to uh, undertake an experiment in order to make a film. And he basically ate nothing but fast food from a particularly famous fast food chain, Baba. That one. And then there was a moment every time he ordered anything, they said, You want to go supersize? You want to go large? He had to say yes. And he did nothing but eat fast food from that place and did no exercise and took, didn't take care of himself at all for a whole month. And he basically filmed the results. Now, you don't have to have seen the film to know what the results were. The result was he had huge weight gain. His body fat increased, his cholesterol level increased, he experienced mood swings, he experienced sexual dysfunction, he had other health issues, the fat accumulation to his liver was staggering. It was kind of like, surprise, eat junk, junk happens to you. Uh, Since then, there's been loads of experiments of people trying to prove that actually fast food is not that bad for you, and some have proven, well, you can and you can be quite healthy. What they don't say is that, yeah, you might eat that, but you still do loads and loads of exercise and do other things healthy. There's a kind of general principle which I'm guessing most of us kind of understand we don't like. I'd love to just eat nothing but food from that place. I don't care how much meat's in it. It tastes amazing. But there's a general principle that we kind of understand that if you eat junk, you don't get healthy. You put rubbish in, rubbish comes out. And today, I want to kind of focus in on that idea. Not so much like the physical thing, although actually, to be honest with you, what we eat and how we exercise and all that kind of stuff, how we look after ourselves... Actually, it goes a long way in terms of our happiness. But what I want to look at today is the stuff that we consume. We live in a world dominated by information and news and social media and all of that kind of stuff. What we consume, what we put into ourselves, what we, what we ingest, if you like, it significantly impacts on how we feel and what comes out. And uh, two weeks ago, we kicked off this series with facts are greater than feelings. And we talked about the fact that there are only two influences in your life, the word of God and the world in which we live. And we are being bombarded all the time 
by the message of our culture, the world in which we live, the new, just think of a moment for the news, that we, the, the being bombarded all the time with what to think and how to think and all of the news. And if you just think about it for a moment, most of the news that we consume, for example, is generally bad news. You turn on the news at news at 10 tonight. It does not go tonight at 10. Delightful scenes as children are playing happily in the street with no fear whatsoever. There's not. And in other news tonight, a spontaneous round of applause across the nation as the whole country realized how great a job the government were doing and stopped to applaud them for one minute to thank them for making us so happy. That's not the way the news goes. We know the news is not. And in other news, no crime at all. No, no, no. It's just bad news, misery, bad news, misery. And even good news, we twist it into bad news. Even things that you think, oh, that's actually quite good. We've just got this incredible knack of, of, of kind of twisting it somewhat. So if life expectancy decreases, oh, that's bad news. People are, people are dying younger. This is really bad news. If life expectancy increases, oh, no, that's really bad news because it's still bad news because it puts strain on the health service. And how are we possibly going to cope with all these people who are living older? If a preventable disease, unpreventable disease kills people, like, this is terrible, there's this disease, we don't know the cure. If we do have a cure for this disease, we just go, this is terrible, only people who are rich enough to access it get, help, get helped by it. Everything we do, high birth rates, causes overcrowding, pressure on systems and structures, there's not enough schools, there's not enough, well, this is terrible. Low birth rates, oh my goodness, the population is getting older and who's going to care for them? Like, literally everything, we have this bias towards... Bad news. And that's just like mainstream news, like actual news. We don't even think we started on fake news and the damage that whole thing does. So we're being bombarded by news all the time. And when you throw into the mix for a moment the, the kind of huge and increasing influence of social media on our lives, ooh, we're getting influence from all over the place. Just before Christmas, the director of research and the research scientist from Facebook... So actually from Facebook, acknowledged and admitted that social media can harm you. And I found this fascinating. They released this press release. You can look it up. It's called Hard Questions. And in it, they reference. Remember, these are people from Facebook. They work for them. They referenced a number of scientific studies that raised all these critical questions, including this. Do pe- they asked this question. Do people connect in meaningful ways online? Or are they simply consuming trivial updates and polarizing memes at the expense of times with loved ones? And what I found as I read this study, this press release, what I found was really, really fascinating was, wasn't just because it came from the guys at Facebook, although that was interesting. It was because of what these studies revealed and how these scientists handled it. They didn't ignore it. They didn't pretend, oh, no, that's not scientific. They don't know what they're talking about. Nonsense. Facebook and social media. It's all wonderful for you. Nor did they say, it's all terrible for you. No, no, no. What they concluded was this. They said, according to research, it really comes down to how you use the technology. They said, in general, when people spend a lot of time passively consuming information, reading but not interacting with people, they report feeling worse afterwards. And the report found that social media can be, and often is, used for really good things. Shit, can be and often is. But they said this also. Clickbait headlines, false news, excessive usage, constant checking, social comparison. People who click on about four times as many links as the average person or like twice as many posts, all of these people reported worse mental health than average. Or put another way, 
you put enough rubbish in, a lot of rubbish is going to come out. You feed yourself on bad news or junk news or the trivia of, exclusively the trivia of social media, it does not help you be healthy. And we live in a, in a world of news that it seems, at least on the surface, is mainly bad. And at the same time, if we're not careful, our use of social media can be very, very damaging to us. And when you add that combination in, it's like the perfect storm. When you add that combination to the fact that most of us have a tendency to only think of or fixate on or remember the bad news or the negative news. It's like we have these spam filters that filter out all the positive stuff and fixate on the negative things. So, so many of us, we spot the danger rather than the fun. We spot the risk rather than the opportunity. We spot the reasons why something won't work rather than why it might work. In that moment where we receive feedback, how many of us do this? It doesn't matter how many positive things are shared, we remember the one negative thing. I had this conversation with someone not so long ago. They're not in this room, so I can share this. But I said a load of stuff, this and this, I thought this, and you're doing great in that, and this is really good. There's one thing on this, I'm not so... Anyway, roll forward. Several weeks later, what's the one thing? You said this about me. I'm like, yes, but I also said, yeah, but you just said this. I'm like, no, but I I gave you like eight good things. And you remember the one negative thing. We all have a tendency to do that. We fixate on it. It doesn't matter how many people say nice things about me. I remember the thing that somebody says critical and negative. Because that's the tendency we have to have. So how do we be happy in a world of bad news of social media news, of all this kind of stuff. How on earth can we be happy? How do we change it? How do we stop putting rubbish in so we get rubbish out? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4. I'm going to read from uh, verse 4. This is Paul speaking to the church of Philippi. And here's where we're going with this. In a, in a world of bad news, in a world of fake news, in a world of ugly and distressing news, in a world of unwholesome junk that we know doesn't do us any good, we don't just need to be passive about accepting it. Instead, we can and we should learn to filter it. I'm not saying block it out completely. We learn to filter it and we can and we should. Instead of just passively receiving it and feeding our hearts and minds and our emotions with it, we can feed our minds a diet that's biased towards what is good and what is beautiful. And so instead of rubbish in, rubbish out, turn it around and put, say, put, let's put some good in. And guess what comes out? Some good stuff. So verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, Paul says. Again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, here's the first thing. Paul is not arguing for some kind of isolation from the real world. Nor am I saying here, the takeaway from this is, is never put your TV on again. Never turn your computer on again. Throw your phone away. That's not what he's saying. There's no some isolation from the, from the bad things of the world. He's not writing to a bunch of people. It's easy for us to go, yeah, but they did not have the pressure that we had. Everything is totally different now to then. There was no way they lived in the same kind of world. Listen, he's not writing to a bunch of people who are immune from the things we face. In verse 6, he He says, do not be anxious about anything. Why? Because they were habitual warriors about everything. Now, that faces some different issues, but let's be honest, so many of us, we're anxious because we're worrying about stuff. And he says, do not be anxious about anything. And he tells them that peace and contentment is possible and achievable. So when it comes to what we consume, when it comes to what we listen to, when it comes to what we ingest, what we put in, verse 8 
Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is true, whatever's honorable, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, he says, whatever is true. Feed yourselves, first and foremost, on whatever is true. Avoid the lies. Avoid the misrepresentation. Beware of the distortion and beware of the imbalance in so much of the stuff that we read online and watch. If you only ever get your information from one side of the debate or if you only ever listen to opinions from one crowd, then things are likely to be imbalanced. If you are shocked by certain things that take place in the world, shocked by election results or shocked by this, it's probably because you're listening to a certain section. You think, well, that's what everybody thinks. Turns out, no, they don't. They think something quite different from you. Seek to gather facts, not opinions. Seek out what is faithful, what is balanced, what is fair reporting. Make a greater effort to think about the things that you consume, not just mindlessly absorb it. And on a people level, surround yourself with truth tellers rather than muck spreaders. People are actually going to tell you the truth. People who are going to fixate on what is true. Whatever is honorable, same thing. Feed yourself with whatever is honorable. If we're honest, most of our TV, most of our media tends to focus on the more sordid things in life. Now, not all of it, of course. There's loads of great TV out there, loads of great filmmakers, loads of great TV producers and shows, lots of wonderful things, but an awful lot of it isn't. And Paul doesn't, doesn't say, oh, ignore it, ignore it, fine. Nor does he say focus on the vile and sordid stuff. He says nourish the honorable. Don't look at it, don't watch it. Seek out books, magazines, websites, movies, TV shows, whatever it is, that inspire awe, that generate worship, that influence you positively rather than negatively. He goes on, he says, whatever is just, feed yourself on things that are just. He means things that conform to God's law. Don't, don't celebrate things which are contrary to God. He says, don't celebrate things which are sinful, things that are wicked, things that make a virtue out of evil. He's encouraging us instead, don't fixate on that. Look out for, watch, consume things that celebrate right behavior, that celebrate courageous actions, that celebrate hardworking parents or respectful children or loving fathers or devoted mothers or happy families or gentle caregivers or honest employees or fair bosses. Look at those things, fixate on those and celebrate them and honor those things. Seek out things that are positive, that that for us to rejoice in and build up in rather than negative things that, that pull us down. He goes on, he says, whatever is pure, feed yourself again on whatever's pure. Now we can find it really hard, if we're honest, to, to feed ourselves on whatever's pure because we have a tendency to be attracted to the darkness because there is so much darkness around. It's so really very easily, quite quickly, just mindlessly to be watching. Oh, okay. and, and you get hooked in because just because it's something dark doesn't mean it's not interesting. Just because it's something that's not honorable and pure doesn't mean it's not good TV to watch. Yeah, but the story is so compelling. Yeah, but it's not doing you any good. What are you doing? Yeah, but if you just see like the, the, uh, the special effects of the whole thing's amazing, this show, the story, I know it's fantasy, but it's wow, it's good. No, it's not pure. Paul says, pursue the light. It's harder sometimes. It's harder every time. But it's so much more worth it. Pure things don't corrupt, Paul says, so stick to them. He goes on, he says, whatever is lovely, feed yourselves on things that are lovely. It literally, that phrase, it literally means things that move us towards love. Feed yourself on things that move you towards love. It means focus on things that make your heart sing. Focus on things that are beautiful. 
Get outside more. Go and look at creation more and enjoy. Wow, that's amazing. If you can't get out inside and look at beautiful things in creation, then watch beautiful things about creation on TV and go, wow, that's amazing. Look at that. Things that, documentaries, whatever it is, things that take your breath away, that generate your heart to sing, go, wow, that is truly amazing. Celebrate beauty. Whatever is lovely. If there is any, any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Focus on things that are worthy of praise. Focus on things that are constructive rather than destructive. Focus on things which make people exclaim, well done, rather than make them say, that's terrible. Hey, sweetie. I hope she knows where she's going. If she gets to the door, make sure someone stops her. And he says, think about these things. Think about these things. Verse 9, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. Practice these things. Fixate on these things. Focus on these things. Give your attention to these things. What we feed ourselves and what we feed our minds on is so very, very important. If we let what is false, if we let what is offensive, if we let what is dishonest, if we let what is filthy or ugly or unhelpful into our minds, it's going to seriously damage our mental well-being. The Bible tells us it, and incidentally, so do Facebook researchers. They tell us exactly the same thing. When the Bible and scientists from Facebook are saying the same thing, we probably should listen. On the other hand, if we starve ourselves of junk... If we replace it with what is true, what is honorable, what is just, what is pure, what is lovely, what is commendable, what is excellent, then peace will surround our feelings and our thoughts and the God of peace will be with us. As you actively say, I'm going to be intentional about what I consume, what I put into my mind, what I put into my heart, the promise of the word of God is as you fixate on those things, if you fill yourself with those things, then peace will come and the God of peace, he will be with you. But this takes huge amounts of effort. It's easy for me to just go, ah, do it, come on, God. No, no, it takes a load of effort. Paul says, verse 9, practice these things. Here's what he's saying. If we're not consciously doing this, then we will be influenced. But we're not going to be influenced by the words. We're going to be influenced by the world. But as we practice these things, as we get ourselves influenced by the word of God, then the God of peace will be with you. And here's the thing. Our culture is like this powerful current. And if you're not actively practicing your strokes to swim against it, you will just be swept along with it. And if you don't actively practice whatever it is in order to get this into you rather than be influenced by the world then very soon you're just going to be swept along thinking like everybody else thinks doing exactly the same as what everybody else does and so we need to practice our strokes and some of us that means changing our viewing it means changing our reading it means changing our browsing habits like literally changing the things we watch for some of us it means changing our use of technology last summer I made the decision that I was going to get rid of my smartphone. And my wife had just given me so much grief about it for about two years. And I, I was like, no, you're wrong, you're wrong. I am not dictated to by my smartphone. I control it, thank you very much. And for two years, I was like, no, no, wife. Me right, you wrong. <laughs> 
in every situation. And even when I knew she was right, I'd be like, no, it was a text message. <laughs> and then I realized, you know what? She's actually right. And it wasn't because she told me to do something. It's because I realized I was wasting hours of my life scrolling, flicking, reading, just nothing particularly harmful, just junk, just not needed, not required. So I thought, right, we're away in the summer. I'm going to change my phone. I don't want emails. I don't want notifications. It was a wonderful excuse to get, remove myself from the family WhatsApp group. <laughs> the politics of James has left the group was too much. Easier just to get rid of the phone. <laughs> True story. And I got this. Now, I'd show you all the things it can do, but literally, this is the only thing it can do. Your phone's ringing. I'll answer it. Answer it! I do. I do. I'm very good. Now, the reason I've, t I've rung him... I can put the phone down, that's ridiculous. The reason I've rung him is because with this thing, it takes about four and a half minutes to text two words. So I have to like, ring people more. Do you know what I've done, found more? I don't look at junk anywhere near as much as I used to because I can't. I mean, there's a limit to how much snake you can play on your Nokia phone. <laughs> I ring more people than I text because texting is just an effort. I mean, literally every single word, you're like, this is ridiculous. I've changed the world with my, con my technology. Now, am I saying your smartphone? Get rid of your smartphone. Everyone, no, I'm not saying that at all. Was, uh, my habit was not healthy. And I recognized that the only way I was going to change my habit was if I changed a lot of stuff. And so that's what I did. Is my life simpler? No, it's really hard work trying to memorize AA map route planner in your head and remember all the turns you've got to go to without a sat-nav. But I think my brain size has increased as a result because I can remember more stuff now. My life's not simpler, but it is better. I don't endlessly look at stuff anymore. I'm not constantly available the whole time. For some of us, it means being as radical as that sum. I am not saying you all need to get rid of your smartphones. But what I'm saying is we need to be way more mindful of what we consume. And for all of us, what we really need to do is ensure that the primary influence on our lives comes not from the world in which we live, but from the word of God. So that everything else just comes and flows just naturally. You see, if we make this about a list of what's good and what's bad, you're allowed to watch this show, you're not allowed to watch that show. You're allowed to look at this website, you're not allowed to look at that website. You're allowed to have this tech, you're not allowed to have that tech. This social media, that's okay, that one's not okay. If we make it like that, then we just slid straight into legalism, which is terrible. All right, we're not under the law anymore, we're under grace. All things are permissible, but is everything beneficial? That's the question we ask ourselves. So I'm not saying here and saying, you are allowed to watch that TV show, but you're not allowed to watch that one. Do you know what? It might be okay for you to watch that and not you for that. You know yourself. But here's the thing. Rather than, give me a list of do's and don'ts of what I'm allowed to do. How far is too far? What can I get away with? Instead of doing that, we fill ourselves with the truth of the word of God. Get that into us. Allow that to shape us. And you don't even need to ask those questions anymore because it just comes naturally. You understand this sense of, actually, I'm under submission to the lordship of Christ. And what he says about everything goes before anything else. So it's no longer 
a question of what I am and I'm not allowed to watch. I can watch whatever I want, but not all things are beneficial to me. And now I've recognized that my life is not my own. It's his and my life is hidden in him. And I seek first his kingdom and everything else gets added. And so now I watch certain things and I don't watch other things. And I look at certain websites and I don't look at other websites. And I read certain stuff and I won't read other things. And it's not some kind of legalistic checklist of how good am I doing today. It's a reality of I fill myself with the truth of the word of God. I get good stuff in so good stuff comes out rather than junk in, junk out. We need to feed our minds and our souls the truth. And the Bible uses the the language of eating and feeding to describe getting the word of God into us. Jeremiah 15 verse 16, it says, your words were found and I ate them and your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. Ezekiel 3 verse 3, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you and fill your stomach with it. Then I ate and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. Get the word in you. Ingest it, eat it. Get it right into you so they can change you. So many of us and lots of us are going to make this mistake as we leave this place. We're going to think the primary message of today was about your external behavior, what you can and can't do. And it's not. And we think the primary take home is I have to do this and I have to do that and I can't. No, no, no. The primary take home is read this, eat this, ingest this, get this in you in such a way as it allows to shape you that your delight becomes the things of God. So many of us go, yeah, but I'm just, I heard this this week. I was away with some pastors this week and uh, just hearing stories. It was really quite encouraging and wonderful and heard this story of some son just got this endless problem with people not wanting kind of. I want to hear the voice of God. I was having this conversation with someone saying, I never hear God speak. So I just turned to them and said, read your Bible. And they said, no, but I never hear God speak audibly. Well, read your Bible out loud. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Get this thing in you. Get this stuff to shape you. Get this stuff deep down in exactly the same way you eat healthy food you're way more liable to be healthy than if you eat junk food feed yourself on this you grow in this everything becomes to make clear and the world in which we live becomes to take shape and the way in which we view the world and understand the world begins to take shape And our understanding of the culture we're in and the pressure we're under as Christians, it begins to take shape and it begins to come clear. And those situations and those circumstances where we find ourselves tempted or thought, I need this or I need that, it becomes very, very clear. You see, the more I eat the word, the more I get the word of God into me, the more I begin to see the world more clearly, the more I begin to think with a greater clarity and a biblical lens to everything. And I begin to see that that we do live in a world of bad news because of the reality of sin, which is everywhere and which has broken and messed up and marred and destroyed all these beautiful things that God has created, that God said was very good. Sin has come in and destroyed and broken. And I begin to see the need for a savior and I begin to see more beautifully the fullness of the savior who truly is good news to a broken fallen world and I begin to see that what this savior says what this God says is not just true but it's beautiful so many of us know what the truth is we just don't really get our heads around it because we're conditioned by culture so we know what the bible says about sex or what God says about money or what God says about any of those things and we go I know what he says it's true it just doesn't sit right with me it just doesn't 
doesn't feel right with me. It doesn't feel beautiful to me. Why? Because we're being conditioned by culture, not the word. And the more you get the word into you, the more you begin to see that what he says is not only true, but it's truly beautiful. And it's not only right, but it's incredibly right for me. And as I follow it, my life begins to align much more with him. And I begin to see things much more clearly. And guess what? I begin to know joy and delight. Guess what? I begin to become a whole lot more happy because I'm following God's heart, not my own. And I begin to see the truth that this Savior has come. And he's not just saved me as an individual, but I see that he is now about a great work that he's rescued. Yes, he's rescued me from my bad news, but he's also about making everything new again. And that one day I will participate in the beauty of the new heavens and the new earth where there'll be no more sickness, no more sadness, no more tears, no more bad news, no more fake news, no more vile news. And that's truly good news. And it's not just truly good news in the future, it's truly good news now. So it means and it frees me that I can enjoy the beautiful things of this earth. And there are lots of beautiful things. I can enjoy the wonderful experiences of this earth. And there are lots of things to experience. But if I don't, it's okay because one day I truly will in the new heavens and the new earth. And so if I get to travel in this life, wonderful. And if I don't, I'll spend all eternity checking everything out. And if I get all the riches and blessings of this life right now, great. And if I don't, I'm going to enjoy the true riches and the true blessings of God for all time in the new heavens and the new earth. And that changes and shapes everything. It is only by reading this that I begin to see this. And it's only by getting this in me that I begin to see that my desire for likes and clicks and thumbs up and favorites on those posts I make. And the reason why I'm posting those pictures is because then I'm going to get all the comments back of how good I look and how well I'm doing and how nice I am. And, and really, I begin to see that all of that is in a desire for acceptance and approval and affirmation from others. And as I begin to be focused not on the world, but on the word, I begin to see the good news, the true good news, the gospel, that it shows me and demonstrates clearly to me that I am already loved and accepted And so my search for likes and clicks and affirmation and approval can come to an end because the one who made me, who's over all things, he approves of me. And so now if somebody likes my photo that I've put on Instagram, hashtag no filter, then great. And if they don't, it does not crush me in the slightest because I have the gaze of approval of the beauty of the Lord, the King of heaven, the high great priest, the one who is and was and is to come. And his approval matters more to me than anything temporary of this life. And that changes everything. And I begin to see my desire, my look for things of this world and experiences and accomplishments. I've got to do this and I've got to do that. I haven't got time for this church stuff and this word stuff because my life's full of adventure and excitement. I've got to do... I begin to see, wow, hang on a minute. I was created by the one who created everything, who knows me and who loves me and he says to me, call on me and I will answer you and tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. What an adventure, call on me and I will answer and I will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. That's the truth of who you are in God. And if you feed yourself with the junk of this world, don't be surprised when the junk comes out. You feed yourself with the truth of this world, word, and then good things come. Good things come. It's the promise of scripture, good things come. We need to retrain our brains We need to renew our minds so that they can direct our hearts in the truth of the good news. The only way you can be happy, the only way you can live in a world bombarding us with bad news is to have your heart and your soul filled with the good news. 
Doesn't mean you can't enjoy media and social media and TV. It absolutely means you can enjoy those, but you can enjoy them knowing full of the truth of the word of God in your heart. You can engage with the world in such a way that means you're in the world, not of the world. And you can take the good bits of our culture and celebrate. And you cannot allow, and you don't end up having to allow the other bits to pull you down, to distract you, or to cause you to look anywhere else other than God for your happiness and your contentment.